Julie Jansen's writing career began when she wrote and directed plays in remote Aboriginal communities in the Northern Territory. From there, she went on to write poetry and novels, including Benevolent, which was shortlisted for the Barbara Jeffries Award last year. And now she's turned to crime fiction. The book is called Mudaka and is set in regional New South Wales, featuring an auntie with a TAFE degree in investigative services who'll stop at nothing when it comes to fighting for her people and her land. I spoke with Julie about what drew her to the crime genre. Chapter 1, 26th of January, Survival Day. A crow picking at eye sockets in a sheep's skull was a reminder of how outback country towns were shriveling up. A desert landscape shone red and grey against the Darling River. The dusty desolation of Nyempa country. Benevolent colonialism. A town beside a stinking green river of dead fish. The Asheville streets smelt of bushfire. The air heady with the barbecued animals. A town where most of the shops had iron mesh grills, chains and big locks. Auntie June had completed her TAFE course in investigative services. She proudly showed the Certificate 3 in a nice frame on the wall. It had taken 30 hours online. Her office was in the main street. It used to be Vince's video rentals and people still dropped overdue items down the hatch. The latest had been Midnight Cowboy. She cleaned the window with a wet X and swept the footpath out front. The handwritten sign stuck on the window announced Yanakiri Investigation Services, confidentiality guaranteed. The name meant to run fast. As most people she chased were doing that, there were no clients except occasional Murray women wanting June to track cheating husbands or men who had run off to escape child support payments. The women didn't pay much, nothing in fact, except the occasional kangaroo leg still covered in grey fur. To illustrate her thoughts, June opened the fridge just now to get some milk and blood dripped onto the lino floor. She locked the office door and stepped outside to take in some air. Many other businesses stood empty along the road, most with for sale signs. The failing economy had gutted the biggest hotel. It sat there now with blackened walls, graffiti and glassless windows. Next to June's office sat the original Commonwealth Bank, a majestic sandstone building displaying a fly-blown notice on the door. This bank has been closed to improve customer service. The local Gunji, Police Sergeant Bruce Blackett, pulled up outside June's office in his wagon and sneered. He was in his 60s with a paunch and thinning grey hair over skin cancers. His black R.M. Williams riding boots were non-uniform issue, convenient for kicking someone. Blackett admired himself in the rearview mirror and picked his teeth with a match. June stuck out her chin and oozed annoyance while the copper looked over her broad golden face, pink lips, tall frame and skinny legs. She knew she was a healthy-looking 50-year-old beauty with white teeth, a freshwater Gamilaroi Aboriginal woman born of the clay plains, dust and kangaroos. Blackett pointed at the office sign and hooted. He hung his arm out the window and slapped the driver's door. He sounded very amused. Investigated any major crimes lately? like a murder or diamond heist, or just some Murray kid pinching a packet of Arnott's custard creams, said Blackett. Cert three in investigative services. Jesus wept. June held up a middle finger. He drove off laughing. Julie, 
that is the beginning of your debut crime fiction. Um, not your debut book no. by any means. Mm. <laughs> what initially drew you to crime? I'd, um, I've written uh, five novels now, actually. Uh, the first couple um, weren't published, so I self-published them. Then I wrote uh, Benevolence that did very well, a historical novel and quite a serious novel for me about um, the history of the Hawkesbury River and based on the stories of my own family who came from the Hawkesbury River, Darug people, Burrabarungal people, and that went quite well. And I was uh, getting ready to write a sequel to that, but I wasn't quite ready, a historical novel as uh, people like uh, Melissa Lukashenko will tell you, uh, uh, requires a great deal of, of quite serious research and it, it, it takes quite a lot of time. And so um, I thought I might write something that had been bubbling away in my head for about um, 50 years. When I, I used to live in Burke when I was very young and uh, living along that river and, and visiting that river nearly every year since, I have a great love of that country and I've got some very, very dear friends, some aunties from up there like Auntie Jenny Ebsworth and a couple of other aunties. And I had some stories that I'd written into a play called Gungies, uh, which had Lillian Crombie in it, Elaine's wonderful mother, wonderful actor, uh, which was on at Belfort Street Theatre, you know, a million years ago. And so that play was always in the back of my mind that it had some wonderful characters. And Auntie June was the character that, that, that Lillian Crombie played. And so I just thought I'd take parts of that play and write it into a, what I thought was going to be a social history kind of novel about, um, about the Darling River. But at that stage in uh, 2020, the river was, under, uh, was dried up, most of the river, mainly through um, cotton farmers taking more water than, than they should have been taking and all sorts of what I thought was government corruption as well. And I got really, really angry a lot along with a lot of other people and some wonderful uh, Murray activists, you know, came to Sydney and spoke out about what was happening with the river and I was very inspired by their voices and I went to the corroborees along the river to bring the river back and it was very moved by the huge corroboree movement really of both men and women along the Darling River and I thought I have to write a book about the Darling River and uh, but still hasn't answered the question, why crime? Well, all Australia's a crime scene, let's face it, you know. I mean, the British took it. It's a crime scene. So you don't have to look far to find Indigenous crime to do with Indigenous people. But what was happening to the river struck me as a crime against uh, the environment, against the earth, against humanity, and also a very a big crime against Indigenous people. So when I'd written this this social history kind of novel, uh, my I had a really good editor at the time called Kate Goldsworthy, and she and I both came up with the idea at the time of what if we change it into a, a crime novel. And so I spent about six months doing that. At the end of the six months, Kate said, no, it's not working, go back to the original novel. And I thought, I would rather die than have to go back. So, yeah, it stuck as a crime novel and it's done really well as a crime novel. But it, it, it's more than that. It's actually, it's about justice and restorative justice for Indigenous people. And, uh, yeah, that's at the heart of most things that I write. Well, I think that that's something that struck me is that crime fiction at its core is thinking about these ideas of morality, thinking about ideas of justice. And when you... When you look at these concepts from an Indigenous perspective, there's something subversive. Like they, they're not they're not happening in the same way that you would expect. So when we meet Arnie June, who is our main character, uh, I say our, your main character. <laughs> uh, we meet Arnie June and she's newly completed her certificate three in investigative services. That's a real thing. It is, yeah. <laughs> 
this is so embarrassing to admit, but when I was a teenager, I had delusions of being a private investigator. Ah, right. <laughs> it just, it, it's because I'm, I, I like to know everything. Like I'm, I'm a bit nosy and, um, and it seemed like a really good fit. Turns out journalism is also a really good fit for people who like to know, like to know all the gossip. <laughs> so I'm, I ended up over here. So we meet Arnie June after she's done her certificate three and she has been handling small cases until Tomo, her nephew, goes missing. Goes missing. Well, in changing the social history kind of novel into a crime novel, I read a whole lot of books on how to write a crime novel. I recommend doing that. And um, and I uh, and what the one of the first things it says is start with a body. And I thought, oh, God, who can I kill? You know, just start with a body. And so I decided I had to have an inciting incident for, for Auntie June that was very powerful. And Auntie June is based on all the wonderful aunts, mothers, friends, sisters that I've known throughout my life. And I, I actually thank about six of them at the beginning of the book, really important women to me through my life that helped me and taught me so much because I didn't grow up in an Indigenous community. I grew up surrounded by working-class, non-Indigenous people. My dad is an Indigenous man, a, a Barabarungal, Darag man. And so I had a lot to learn and I was very curious. And from 20 on, and you know, I went on to learn a great deal through working at the Corey Centre at the Uni of Sydney and, and uh, Tramby and places like that, and a great deal of friends who I acquired in that time, and a lot of them um, taught me a, a, a huge amount about what I, I know now. And I wanted to honour those women because in my other novels and plays, I tend to have a, a young, vibrant, sexy, attractive young Aboriginal woman as, as the protagonist. And a little voice kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, Julie, look in the mirror, you know, just how about celebrating all those wonderful women between the ages of kind of 50 and 70 who are just these fantastic people who hold their communities together. So I decided I'd really celebrate Auntie June and her compassion and her love for her own community. And when a, a nephew goes missing, it gives her a huge amount of courage to decide that she wouldn't just be the person who finds the guy who's run off without paying child payments, but would actually take take on police corruption and corruption at quite a high political level and also taking on corrupt um, bikies, which is, you know, if you live in a country town, it's not something you do without realising there's going to be consequences. I mean, I make light of it, but they're quite serious issues and uh, and Auntie June was the, the one to take it all on. I've been told by University of West Australian Press, my publisher, they said, oh, we've made you a really beautiful cover. And I said, yes, that's great. I really love it. And they said, because it'll be good for the series. And I'm like, pardon? <laughs> so apparently they think I'm going to be writing another novel about Auntie June. I don't know. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> I was curious about the idea of the... The fact that you had made your protagonist an older lady, because when I was reading it, it immediately brought to mind Miss Marple, Agatha Christie's delightful... Vera. <laughs> Vera is another... Oh, don't we love Vera? Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was interesting because then I, I was trying to think about, like, what are the Indigenous crime fiction equivalents? And... I mean, there's Jace Wan from Mystery Road, which started as a film mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. now 
a TV and true series. Colours. True Colours. True Colours, yeah. Erica Glynn's fantastic, you know, what's a set of, what was it, four of them, four episodes, I think. Fantastic. Loved every minute of it. I want to see more of that. Yeah. Well, and it seemed like it seemed to me that we are really, we're relatively comfortable with crime fiction and procedurals, Indigenous ones that are on screen, but obviously much harder to find in mm. print. Yeah. No, no, you're this right. So that was, you know, yeah. certainly people said to me, oh, this is the first time. And I and I did a bit of research and I thought, well, yes, I guess it is, you know, for that the, the somewhat conventional genre of the, the, the detective that goes against everybody in the face of, you know, you know, all sorts of things and fights her way through. And um, why not her be an Indigenous character? You know, I mean, I, I, I've seen Indigenous women take on the most extraordinary political kind of battles and every day you turn on the television, you know, you, you know, you see women that will stand up and I just thought that there's an absolutely no reason why she wouldn't be a private detective but it really happened for me when I actually Googled is there a course in investigative services at a certificate level for TAFE and there it was, the Cert 3. And once I saw that I thought, great. That's what Auntie June has done. She's done the course while sitting at home in her little town of Wilga and, um, and you know, out of interest, she's done this course. So then it all just fell, fell into place, yeah. Have you attempted to do the Cert 3? Oh, dear. No, no. I've got <laughs> a few degrees. Was there any temptations? <laughs> no. Look, I most probably should have. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's people who read the book, people who've got a real interest or background in um in crime writing and uh, I've been reading, um, what's his name, Hammer's book, uh, Tilt, which is fantastic, and uh, the absolute detail about the police procedures and everything is just is, is that absolutely extraordinary. And I compare it to mine, which I just kind of Googled the details, you know, I'm incredibly embarrassed at the kind of narrowness of my knowledge. And I think if I have to write another one, I'm really going to have to find a police officer who's generous enough to share with me some information. Anyway, it's amazing what you can get on Google, though, really. You know. uh, that's not really the point of the book. So the interaction of characters is something that I'm really interested in and what I'm really good at, and I love writing dialogue. Um, both this book and when I wrote Benevolence, both publishers, well, the publisher for Benevolence was Magabala Books and the wonderful Rachel Bin Salah. And when I wrote that book, she said, I think you need to cut down on a whole lot of the dialogue. And I went, anything but. I thrive on dialogue. So uh, there's a, quite a lot of dialogue in Maduka the River Serpent. Uh, I like to hear their voices. I don't think I'm going to start a whole career as a crime writer. I mean, my next novel is another historical novel. But I might be tempted to. I don't know. But... Um, as a genre, I, I think it's a very powerful genre. One of the reasons because so many people like to re read crime. So it's a great way for restorative Indigenous justice to be part of a theme for people to read if they normally wouldn't pick up a book by an Aboriginal writer or a Torres Strait Islander writer, but they see it's a crime novel and they pick it up and they'll learn a lot of history. They'll learn a lot about, in this book, there's a, an old lady talks about a, a, a massacre that was up there near Waterloo Creek, just outside of Moree, uh, not really very well known, not as well known as, as the Mile Creek, for example. But she talks about that in this book. And some really serious historical issues which Australians really need to come to terms with so that we've got restorative justice and so that we can have Indigenous voice to Parliament and that we have an overwhelming vote 
quote of people saying this is a wonderful idea. I mean, the wonderful Linda Burney, I actually co-taught with her back at Sydney Uni at the Corey Centre, you know, back in the 80s, I think. And, um, you know, what a wonderful spokesperson she is for, for Indigenous people. But so uh, it's a, a kind of a sneaky way of getting people to, to read about issues that are important to us. And, uh, but in the meantime, it, um, read a genre that they um, are stimulated by. Julie Jansen there. She's the author of Mudaka, The River Serpent. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.